This is Pat Soundbites Unplugged. Unplugged. The podcast where all the artists go to tell it as it is. Careers, music, tours, and more. And here's your host, the man that refuses to eat squid, Pat Calamari. So I am Pat Calamari, and I don't eat squid, and I am the host of Pat Soundbites Unplugged Podcasts, worldwide music podcast, kicking ass, taking names, man, over 15,000 downloads, and going higher and higher each and every day. Episode number 87 is a good one, Mr. Zach Bear. Zach as in Z-A-C-H, Bear as in B-A-I-R, Zach and his band, the Zach Bear Band, have released an EP that came out September 1st, which coincides with the month of September, which is National Suicide Prevention Month. Zach's EP, titled Ordinary Girl, and the single is also Ordinary Girl, um, has a connection with suicide, and Zach talks about that um, that story and uh, the story of the song, and where it came from in our chat. Understand what you're going to hear is uh, audio from my Pat Soundbites IGTV on Instagram, a Zoom chat that I had with Zach on September 14th. So all really good. Zach's uh, has Zach's a singer, songwriter, producer. He owns his own record label. He owns his own two music venues. He hails out of Memphis. Tennessee, and uh, I love his EP. Great tracks on it, The Great Divine and Fight and Black and Brotherford Drive. Um, all really good stuff. And more importantly, and I want you to listen to this very carefully, more importantly, Zach is donating 20% of the sales from the proceeds from the sales of the stream lines, the streams, I should say, and downloads from Ordinary Girl, the single or as well as the full EP. So whether you purchase the single, Ordinary Girl, or I encourage you, just go get the EP because it rocks. 20% of the sales goes to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. How cool is that? And I support anybody, any artist, anybody that gives back to the community, give back to non-for-profits to help other people out. I'm all in. So if uh, you get a chance, check out the Zoom if you want. If not, sit back and listen to our Zoom conversation. It's all good. Now, one other thing before I forget. At the end of the chat, you hear me say, we're going to play Ordinary Girl right after this. I'm playing, actually, the video on the Zoom. So if you go to the Zoom on my Pat Soundbites Instagram, IGTV, you'll see the whole interview and see the video. But I encourage you to go check out the video. It's on YouTube. There are two. One he did originally, and then one he did a lyric video. So don't be confused to expect to hear the song on the podcast. I do not play music on my podcast just for all kinds of legal issues. I just don't need that headache and avoid it. Okay, so enough said with that. Live, love, and laugh a lot because life is way too short. Here's Mr. Zach Baird. Hey, this is Zach Baird, and you're listening to Pat's Soundbites Unplugged. Hey, live on Pat Soundbites IGTV here in New York, keeping new music alive on the radio and on video each and every time I can do this. Such a pleasure to have on our Zoom with me today, 
Well, this guy from Memphis, Tennessee, he's a singer, he's a songwriter, he's a producer, he's an entrepreneur. He was on Shark Tank. I mean, come on. I don't know when he has any other time. No, I was not on Shark Tank. I was not on Shark Tank. Oh, you weren't? It's a better, it's an even better story. It's before Shark Tank was even a... Oh, wow. This even gets better than that. Well, anyway, my pleasure to have Mr. Zach Bear from Memphis, Tennessee. How are you, my man? Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's an honor. No, man, super excited to have you here. Zach, he's got a band, the Zach Bear Band, put out an EP, came out September 1st with the title Ordinary Girl. It rocks. I've been listening to it all day, all morning. Go out and not only buy it because it rocks, but the uh, title track is a single that he put out called Ordinary Girl, which coincides and connects with September, which is National Suicide Prevention Month. And I'll let Zach take it from there and tell the story behind the song, the timing of everything, and all that stuff. Because I needed to make a correction on my Facebook post, but I'll let (laughs) Zach take it from there. Well, thank you for that. That was a great introduction. Um, I don't know if I can live up to all that, but um, (laughs) thank you anyway. You got it, Um, my man. So, yeah, um, Ordinary Girl, I actually really started writing that song. I don't know, quite a few years ago, um, it was about a young woman who had been considering suicide and, um, you know, we surrounded her with love and support. And at the end of the day, she thankfully decided, you know, she, she wanted to live, you know, she stuck around and, uh, you know, I wrote the song and I really didn't do anything with it for quite some time. And, uh, uh, last year, unfortunately, um, we lost a young member of our staff at one of my music venues uh, to suicide. She was only 28. And, uh, you know, it really hit everybody hard. Uh, Nobody expected this. It was really a huge uh, shock. And um, I started thinking about reviving, uh, you know, starting really to really work on Ordinary Girl because I, you know, I'd done a demo of it and blah, blah, blah. So, um, started thinking about it. And then after that, I mean, the pandemic hit and um, got left with all this uh, time on my hands. And I realized that a lot of people in the music business also had time on their hands. So I hooked up with uh, Skid Mills uh, in Nashville, who's a producer and a friend of mine um, who had some Memphis roots. And Skid, he's done work with folks like um, uh, Saving Able and uh, uh, Pop Evil, uh, 12 Stones, uh, ZZ Top even. He's done a bunch of uh, good work. So I was able to snag him. Normally he's like never available. <laughs> so uh, I started just, you know, calling in a favor here and there and decided to really do Ordinary Girl uh, right. And it sounded, ended up sounding so good in my opinion that we decided to go ahead and just do a whole, an entire EP. Um, and that's really how it came to life. And the timing of it really it worked out in one respect because uh, obviously suicide awareness is something that's very close to my own heart. And um, with September being suicide awareness month, we, we pushed the EP release until September 1st. Uh, the single actually came out August 10th, but uh, uh, the EP came out se- September 1st to coincide with that. And um, I decided to partner with an organization called the American foundation for suicide prevention and donate proceeds from sales of the EP uh, as well as the single um, uh, for Ordinary Girl. And, you know, hope, hopefully it can make a, a positive 
difference and you know enlighten people to the fact that there is issues there are issues excuse me are issues out there with suicide and a lot of times you really can't tell what's going on with the person and it's kind of up to us to reach out to them and say hey are you okay do you want to talk about it you may have to push them sometime to uh, to get there but if there's any message I want to convey that's really that's the message in Ordinary Girl because unfortunately a lot of stories don't end up with a happy ending like the song does. Absolutely. And I applaud you and I thank you for that. Thank you. My previous career is from emergency services. Oh, awesome. I'm a, I'm a past fire chief. I'm a former oh, director of our local 911 center. Awesome. I've been to, well, like anybody else, we've all been affected one way or another by suicide. I've been to the scenes. I've seen it all. Um, I've talked to folks on the phone. Um, it's something that we, we need to stay focused on. And even today, more than ever, with this whole COVID, folks are isolated, unemployment, no money. I mean, you watch the news, there's nothing positive. You watch the fires out in California, people losing their houses. So more than ever, this really hits home and needs to be on the top of our minds. I mean, when I look at the numbers, Zach, um, suicide is currently the third leading cause of death among young people aged 15 to 24. Right. The highest overall rates of suicide are for adults ages 40 to 59. I mean, whether they're kids, whether we just went through, I mean, New York, for me, disaster survivors. I mean, yep. friends of mine that are uh, firefighters and police still shaking their heads going, how did I survive? And everybody else died. Um, lost survivors. You know, I, I lost a loved one, but I'm still here. Veterans, my dad, my brothers, folks with disabilities. I mean, the list goes on and on. And we, we take it for like, you know, okay. But no, I get goosebumps thinking about it all. But Thank you for doing what you're doing. We're going to put it on the rotation. I encourage everyone to share the video. There's two videos, actually. Zach did one, uh, I think, before the COVID, right, in, in one of your venues, because there was nobody with a mask or any of that. And then you did the lyric video, right? Yeah, we actually did it um, after COVID started, but it's after it started to lighten up a little bit. Okay. So we actually used really creative camera angles to make it seem like we had a bunch of people in there. Cool. Yeah. And then you did the lyric video, which yes. is like a must anymore. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's it certain it certainly needs to be on everybody's radar today. I want to share the hotline number one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. If anybody's struggling with anything, by all means, call somebody. I mean, yep. you know, I've been talking to a friend of mine and. Like you said, like the girl, it's like, what happened? Did I miss a sign? I start playing guilty. Did I not listen enough? You know, so. All these things go through your head. You just like, you know, you pour through every moment and try to figure exactly. out. You know, you go into a funeral or something going, how did this happen? Where, where were we? You know, so uh, we need to become better listeners, I think, out of everything. We do. And uh, in sure. today's world. Call your friends, call your loved ones, get close, show a little kindness. We need more of that since we are in this divided, crazy. Uh, I don't even want to get into the politics of that headache. But, uh, yeah, it's just been crazy. But uh, congratulations. Great job. Thank you. you and Dan, and we will, I and our station and my 
end of things is going to do everything I can. Zach, tell me who's in the band. Tell me who uh, else needs to get credit for being part of the Zach Bear band and uh, part of this. Absolutely. My guys will love that. So I love talking about them. I'm very fortunate to surround myself with musicians, all of whom I think are better than me. So I, I love that. <laughs> um, my bass player is the earliest band member to join me right after we did my first single, Rutherford Drive, a couple of years ago, first solo single. Um, and uh, his name is Daniel Dwight. He's a founding member of the band Saving Able. Oh, wow. Also Mid-South guy. He was in another pop band called Ingram Hill. Um, but, uh, you know, he's been around the scene. We just uh, really hit it off when we got in the studio together. And, uh, you know, great vocal harmonies and the whole nine yards. And, and uh, uh, he was joined by uh, Jeff Cobble, who um, he played with a band, played with a lot of country bands, actually. I mean, he, he's such a an amazing musician. He can go from chicken picking on one hand to full on onslaught, you know, screaming metal on the other hand. Cool. Uh, but he played in a band for a while called Medieval Steel, uh, which is a kind of a global epic rock kind of band, um, like Iron Maiden, uh, I guess. Um, they're pretty well known in Europe. Uh, and then my, my fourth guy, his name is uh, Jeff Ward, and he also uh, played uh, and some country bands and one or two rock bands, uh, um, some of them from Nashville. And um, um, he rounds out the uh, rounds out the crew. So I'm real happy to have these guys with me. Excellent. Now, I mean, obviously, we're still in lockdown. The plan yeah. is to support the EP and get out there and tour. And the guys would be on tour with you. Same guys. Yeah, we were actually um, had quite a few um, good size events booked uh, for this year. And unfortunately, you know, COVID came along and uh, we had to end up, uh, uh, you know, those shows got nixed. So the, the goal is now from between now and the end of the year, into the spring, we're going to really push the record and try to get, uh, get it charted and um, just do everything we can to promote, get the word out. And then hopefully by the time the tour start rolling back around again, we'll be able to get out on some, uh, you know, some good support. You know, we want to go out with some, some bigger artists and, and really get our name out there. Well, hopefully we get we got to get you back up here to New York so we can support you. Absolutely. I want to just talk about some of the tracks on the EP, which really rock. Um, that caught my ear like really quick. The Great Divide. I mean, I thought I had my eyes closed thinking, is this Edge from U2? It starts out with that that killer little riff there. I'm like, wow, that was that was a great sound. And then you get into Fight, and then you get into Black. And I mean, it just... I heard like influences in my small little brain was like you too and um, uh, Alice in Chains and Foo Fighters and different things. I try to always try to to share with my listeners, you know, get an idea of what type of music that you're you're putting out there. And it's like a rock alternative, but all radio friendly. I would say I can awesome. play every track easily. They have good hooks, good tunes to remember so uh Thank i you. certainly encourage folks to uh to buy uh buy it please buy it <laughs> download it and he, <laughs> yeah it works poor zach and the guys worked way too hard to just go and buy rent it and steal it and all that bullshit i'll say i don't <laughs> right. like the, i don't like the curse too much but i'll say that i hate that part of it but uh tell me who, who are your influences zach uh where does uh where do these tracks come from uh all over from the inside place. yeah i mean uh, you know um you mentioned a couple i mean obviously Foo fighters and alice in chains um you know i have a weird collection of artists that i really liked over the years 
Um, probably Brad Delp from Boston. Oh, uh, Brad. Oh, my uh, God. I know, man. I know. Um, what a voice. Yeah. Uh, Steve Perry. You know, I like all these guys who can really sing. I'm a Rush fan. Um, uh, uh, Neil birthday the other day, the professor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, um, I like a little bit of everything from every, uh, you know, decade, I guess. You know, I mean, I, I, I started listening early to, you know, to Zeppelin, you know, and stuff like that and uh, Bad Company. And, um, uh, you know, I saw your video, by the way, with Paul. And I've worked with Paul in my other, you know, with my company venue. Um but um Paul uh, as in Rogers? Paul Rogers. Oh my good I'm awesome. still pinching myself. Are you kidding me? I, <laughs> he said happy birthday to me. <laughs> like, awesome. Yeah, actually I've worked with him um through <clears throat> maybe two or three different tours recording and releasing the CDs after the show. Um great guy, man. Um anyway, yeah, I mean I have a pretty wide range of influences and you kind of hit you definitely hit some of them. I love Paul Rogers. I mean, we're talking about Velvet, him and his wonderful wife, Cynthia. Just, uh, just you, you can't make – I mean, I, I kind of call him – I was uh, promoting the show in New York, and he was in a hotel in Cincinnati. And uh, I said, best birthday present I could ever have is talking to Paul Rogers. And then he goes into singing me happy birthday. And I'm oh like, okay, God, awesome. okay, I'm done. Get the, give me a drink, please. Hope you're all at the and then I, I met him. I met him the following week, and uh, I do the dice game. I don't know if Jody told you about the I dice that. game. I got a good and, laugh. I don't have any dice. I would have done it, but I don't. It's have all right. It. We'll get you. We'll, so I, you have, you that's why we. Anyway. That's why we got to get you to New York. And uh, absolutely, I took my brother to the show, and Paul. We're like, there's like maybe ten of us, and Paul's. My brother introduces him, and he goes, "How do I know you?" He goes, "No, my brother. You know, you." Interviewed my brother, Pat Calamari. He's like, oh, the dice guy. We got to go in the dressing room for that. That's and, awesome. Um, I, 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 yeah, that's a whole different thing. But, uh, yeah, no, cool for you. Talk to me about your songwriting process. You have all these great influences, obviously, from the 70s pretty well up to where we are now. Does it start with a guitar? Does it start with an idea? Do you write a lyric down? How does it work for you, Zach? Most of the time, um, I see the keyboard right next to you. So yeah, yeah. I'm a very uh, keyboard oriented guy, um, uh, guitar oriented, obviously. Um, normally I'll have an idea or a feeling. Um, and that feeling is something I'll start translating into lyrics. And then once I get a little bit of the lyric process done, I'll start kind of figuring out the arrangement of what I want to do with the lyrics. Um, I am not one of those guys like, maybe the black crows of the world where they can throw a whole record together in like a week. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people it takes me forever to, I mean, I, you know, it takes me a long time for the process. I mean, some of the songs on the EP I started writing a long time ago, um, finished them, but never really got them into production. Uh, but you know, it'll, it's something I have to marinate on for a while and eventually they come to fruition. And it's kind of a back and forth process. You know, once I, once I get the general structure and the lyrics, um, and the feeling of the song down, then I really started start working on the musical arrangement of the tune. Were you able to get the guys all in one studio, even with um, this whole COVID yeah, thing? For the most part, I mean, um, we sometimes would have to be like one at a time or two at a time going up, but, um, you know, Skid's uh, uh, located in Nashville, so we'd take trips up there on the weekends and 
you know, knock different parts out or I'd get brutalized for a day doing vocals. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was, it was a pretty good little process. Um, the last track, well, I, I think we, we recorded some of the drum tracks uh, here in Memphis, but then recorded the rest of it up in, up in Nashville. And then that's where all the arrangement, all the, the, the sugar and the coating <laughs> went on into it. The mastery that is Skid Mills. I, I'm not a musician, so I bring it up, and I'm a dinosaur from you know way back. And I think of it as man, even though today with the technology, where I could send you a wave file in Memphis, and you could put your vocals on it and send it back to me. And I'm thinking, man, I would be afraid to miss the magic. I would want old school. I mean, I know we're in a digital world, and it's great for a lot of reasons, but I would think, you know, if Jeff said, "Hey, add this," or Skid said, "Do that." Yeah, I would be afraid to miss some magic, not having everybody in the room, but yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, the, being in the room and just being in the studio environment, is it's inspiring. You know, and I think probably a lot of guys feel the same way about it. And it just gives you more spark and more creativity, and it flows out of you a lot easier than it would be just getting a, getting a wave file and trying to figure out what you want to do with it. And plus then you have, a, you know, you have a producer sitting there with you and you're going back and forth discussing ideas and, and you don't have that if you're doing it remotely. So yeah, I know too many people doing the Zoom thing, and yeah. I get it. And I look, I'm a guy keeping new music alive, so I I'm biting. At, I think, I think we're in, you know weird territory here, charted waters of people are like crazy not to put out new music because they can't support it. But then there are people like me waiting for you know this is the best time. I think the people, well, I, mean, well, I look at it if people were back to work. Nobody might not even know who you are, you know, and, yeah. and know new music. So yeah. now right now you have a captive audience, you know, I mean, it's a silver. Exactly. I hate the fact that this is going on, but at the same point in time, I think it's resulting in a lot of creativity from guys like me or other artists that have all this time and they write, you know, they get creative. And I think there's going to be a real onslaught of a lot of music coming out in the next six months. It's going to be incredible. I, I totally agree, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I still can't put my head around these drive-in shows, bringing yeah, my car. Yeah, yeah. I, don't I think mean, just to go would be cool, yeah. but what am I going to do, hit the horn? And as yeah. an artist, you play three songs, and you don't feel the energy. And that's energy's part I don't of it. know. Yeah, you're right. You're I, don't, right. I don't know I'm if that's going to. But you're a busy guy, and I, 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 I love it, man. Your creativity is out of this world as i mentioned before um technology and entrepreneur and the whole shark tank thing but i want to talk about vnue uh your your business if i if i get it right high quality recordings of your performance instantly available to fans and you mentioned before you kind of produce these live albums for like, like peter frampton slash and a few others and i think that's great and i'm trying to put my mind to it. So I go to see Peter Frampton in the show. Great guy, great band. Awesome, and then do you get a, like a thumb drive? Are you getting a, a oh, code for, or what? Yes, you... for, Peter, for Peter, we were doing actual um, limited edition CD sets. So we would mix and master on the fly at the show. Wow. When you walk out within 10 minutes after the show, we'd have the CDs ready to go. I mean, sometimes there'd be kind of a line, but you know, we've generally speaking, we knock them out within 20 minutes after the show and everybody's gone. Um, but we do the USBs too. We've, we've done that with Alter Bridge. We've done, uh, did, did it with uh, Three Doors Down. We've done, you know, done that 
a few times as well, but the popular product, believe it or not, to this day are the CDs. Yeah, uh, because I walk out of a show that just kicked ass. And, you know, you don't want to do the, well, years ago, back in the day, you know, the bootleg stuff. But exactly. you walk out and you go, man, what a great show. And I wish I could, like, I want to get in the car and put it in and go, yeah, yeah. yeah they did this or they did that or <laughs> they did an extension of, you know, whatever. What made you, what, what got you that idea to start off with? Where were, you were at a show going, why can't I get a copy of this? I wish I could claim that I was the, the guy that, dreamed it up, but I, I'm better known probably as the guys that commercialized the idea. Okay. Uh, so, um, and I'm still president of a sister company called Disc Live, and that's D-I-S-C-L-I-V-E. Okay. And, um, Disc Live Network, technically. And Disc Live, back in 2003, was the pioneer that really started this whole thing out. They competed with another company called Instant Live that was part of Clear Channel at the time um, that ended up going out of business. Um, but I've been doing this 17 years. I mean, Disc Live, eventually, we, we brought Disc Live into the company of which I was CEO called Immediatech. Um, and from there, it really blew up. Our first big uh, outing was with the Pixies in 2004 on their uh, comeback tour. And from there, it just exploded. You know, we were doing all kinds of artists and um, ended up selling majority interest uh, in the company to Mark Cuban of Shark Tank fame. Okay. And it was, I think it was prior, prior to... Um, his involvement that we, we sold a media tech, but he really wasn't, um, you know, super interested in the, the live stuff. So I, I ended up retaining that and um, rebranding and moving on, ended up partnering with um, EMI for a few years. And we called it Abbey Road Live, like the studio, um, and really blew the concept up even further. So, and then when they were purchased by Universal Music Group, I rolled it back out again and rebranded back to this live um, and still doing it. We did, uh, we've done 13 artists last year, um, including Rob Thomas uh, on his uh, world tour. And we were supposed to do Matchbox 20 this summer. And that's unfortunately been put off till, till next year. But I love doing it. I love the fans, the expression they get on their face when they get the CD at the end of the night. Oh, yeah. You're like, man, I can't believe y'all just did this, you know, and the, you know, the sound quality is really good. And people will pay for that. You know, it's, it's, it's a, uh, a memento it's a keepsake that that's better than a t-shirt oh no doubt i mean you get in the car and you're rocking it's a continuation of the concert yep. no doubt now is it so it's on a it's on a cd or a small that's oh, a real cd yeah, it's yeah. a real cd so i had one laying around here oh, that's all right no that's cool is yeah. it um yeah you can't obviously not you don't there's not gonna be enough time to put it on a vinyl to give it to people but would the, would the artist can the artist convert it to a vinyl? Well, no. What we did with Rob is we actually recorded his shows. Um, uh, he does a series of shows to benefit um, Sidewalk Angels Foundation, which is a uh, um, basically a foundation that benefits no kill animal shelters. And he does that three nights in a row every year at the Borgata there in uh, Atlantic City. And we've done that three years in a row now. And this past time, we actually did recorded it and did uh, albums. You know, of course it took a while to get them out with pandemic shut everything down, but uh, we absolutely do any type of audio product that anybody wants to have. And those are really popular. I mean, they sold like hotcakes. Oh, I bet, man. And did you have to patent all this stuff and, you know, put your mind and get, get, get with people and get all that, that end uh, of it covered? 
our mobile app is patent, patented. Um, the set, it's called set.fm, which allows you to get the content directly on your mobile device. Um, but the rest of it's really unpatentable. Um, we actually challenged that back when uh, Clear Channel was trying to uh, kind of go after us for quote unquote infringement. They had a patent that turned out to be bogus. And we ended up getting patent attorneys that found a bunch of instances of prior art, like you know, mass duplication of cassettes and things like that. So there was already art out there and it's unpatentable. So we actually had their patent revoked. Um, but what's really, I think, important in our space is that we've been doing this so long that we have the trust of the industry. We have the trust of the artists. They know we're yeah. getting a good product out. Um, and we do have proprietary, uh, you know, methodologies and, and business practices and things like that. Like we know the whole end to end, you know, dealing with everybody from the artist manager to the promoter, to the venue, to the union, to everybody all the way down at the other end of the label. Good for you, man. That is, that is insane. That's pretty cool. Good for you. Where do you, I mean, vinyls come back. Who would ever have thought that? And I love it. Right. Where do you, let me ask you this there, Mr. Technology. Where, where, where do we go from here? What's the future, do you think, in, uh, in the uh, recording, musical? You know, I, I, it's hard to say. I mean, I think there's uh, these physical products are having uh, somewhat um, of a renaissance uh, with the vinyls coming back. We haven't seen any slowdown whatsoever on our CD sales. Of course, they're collectible, you know, items and things like that. But to me, and I think it's human nature, you want something tangible that you can feel. Absolutely. Read, you know, and, and it's not just a, a stream that you have on your phone. You know, and I, I think, I mean, the streaming is definitely, you know, it's obviously a solid business uh, model now. There's problems with it because like last year when my first single uh, came out, I think we've had probably half a million streams on it, maybe a little bit more since then. I made three hundred dollars on it. I mean, yeah, no. you know, it's that's not the way that no. you know, the industry needs to go. And I know they're looking in, into that, but um, I think live music is still really going to be where it's at. You know, our other technology that we're working on a venue, um, it's called Soundster, and it's a basically a, a cloud-based platform with boxes that go into bars and restaurants and things like that, and actually listen to the songs that are played, and it tracks who the artists are and who the uh, the publishers and everybody uh, involved in the chain is, and importantly, it tracks who the uh, performing rights organizations, the PROs are. And, you know, I don't know if you're aware, but obviously the PROs, they do these blanket license agreements um, with bars and restaurants and grocery stores and radio stations. Right. And unfortunately, because of the way that they've been doing this for like 50 to 100 years is, you know, it's bad for the business because usually they overcharge as to what actually being played in their catalog. On the other side of the coin is they don't know who the hell is being played in that venue. So they use some kind of obtuse algorithm to issue royalties to the top tier artists where all the middle level guys who like Peter Frampton or whoever most likely are not getting paid, even though their songs are probably played more in <laughs> restaurants. Absolutely. The new stuff, you know I mean? You're going to hear a journey song every time you go out to a bar chances no are it's probably not being doled out like it should be. And our technology that we're rolling out is going to help do that. And I think it's all, it's going to help reduce the licensing cost of businesses and hopefully get more businesses licensed. And at the same time, because of getting more business businesses licensed, we hope the net increase will be to the artist royalties being paid out to them. 
eventually we want to have an end-to-end model where it's a direct license situation. And that's what other job is there that you spend all this money and time and you're getting peanuts. Everybody else has got their dollar and the poor guy like you is like, you know, half a billion streams and I got $300. I'm like, yeah, we want, we nobody want to... does that. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting that you said that. I used to be in a pool league and a dart league and a, uh, I became friends with a, a good friend, an artist, a really good artist. Uh, and he says, hey, check out the jukebox. If you got one of those fancy jukeboxes at the at the local bar, you, you, you your home bar where you play pool and darts. And I go, why? He goes, Sony took me on. I should be on the jukebox. You know, it's, a, it's like an internet-based type. If you oh, yeah, type yeah, yeah. back there. Yeah, touchscreen, yeah. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah. I go, you get paid for that? And he goes, yeah, they contract now. And I thought it was interesting. I said, they couldn't do it before. And he goes, no, bars, you know, they get the little jukebox thing. And he goes, the artist would never. You, we lose our oh, shorts. Yeah. He says, yeah. and now, finally, like a Sony, somebody's buying all these things to try to reel it in so yeah. Zach can get, you know, how many streams he got at a local bar in New York. Well, that's the, that's the whole idea. It's like the touch tins, jukeboxes, and things like that are, are licensed at the corporate level. But all these individual restaurants and bars and whatnot, I mean, there's no tracking me- mechanism. And that's, no what, license, right? that's what Soundster's going to do. We're going to identify music played in there, whether it's recorded, whether it's live, whether it's a really poorly done cop cover version, or it's karaoke. We're going to make sure that everybody sure. gets paid for it. You know what? You should. And you own not one venue, but two venues. I do have, sadly. Rock, Rock House Live. Good for you, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two, two. One of them is about a 300 cap. The other one's about, uh, I don't know, about 100. They're both relatively small, and they, they double as restaurants and bars. So fortunately, we're still open right now, but we can't have, like, full-on live music, and our hours are reduced. Can you do live streaming for artists like yourself? Yeah, we have. Uh, we've done uh, done it several times. Um, I've actually got a pretty sophisticated live streaming system, and we used to do it uh, every Monday uh, at the smaller location, uh, but it just got to be you know too much. I've got so much going on. I was I was the production guy, so you know had to had to cease operations at that point with the production. Are, are, are they both in Memphis? They are both in Memphis. Yeah, okay. we're. And then you got your own label, Rock House Records. Rock House Records, baby. It's a, it's a vanity label, man. But, you know, it's oh, everything hey. else is Rock House, so why not name it Rock House, you know? Well, you know what? But I see more and more artists, they're their own publishing. They're, they own their rights. They own their label. Because, like you said, $300, everybody else is making money but me. So good for you, man. That's all cool. Well, it's anything else that you're promoting, anything else that you're working on, I know you're a busy guy, that I could help promote. Just uh, a, I know you're a producer on the other on, on the, the label side. Any other uh, upcoming artists that you're working with? That uh, yeah, nothing much right now. I mean, I think really the focus right now is getting the single to to chart before hopefully before Christmas time. <laughs> you know, um, probably a long shot, but um, we're going to try to get that promoted and um, follow that up with probably another one of the the songs from the EP. And by the time springtime rolls around, hopefully be ready to hit the road. Well, the EP kicks ass. It's called Ordinary Girl, just like the single that you put out. Uh, you're hooked up with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, right. AFSP.org. 
donates 20% of sale proceeds from every sale, including streamed and download. So no excuses whether you like the single. But I encourage you, by all means, buy the EP. You will not be disappointed. You could find Zach, and it's Zach with an H-Z-A-C-H, Bear, B-A-I-R, uh, official. And that's Zach Bear Official on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, or ZachBearMusic.com on his website. And then there's V-N-U-E, right? Is that, am I saying that right? Vinny.com. Vinny.com. I mean, you're a busy, busy guy. It's all good. And uh, it's a, I hope you enjoyed the chat as much as I have. And I am going to put this song on the rotation. I can tell you that. Our listeners here in New York are, uh, are definitely going to hear Ordinary Girl a lot. And Thank I you. encourage everybody to go out and certainly buy it. Go to wherever you're streaming and digital platforms are, or go to Zach's website and purchase it and uh, go from there. Thank you so much, man. We're going to play Ordinary Girl right after this. Awesome. 